Hosea chapter 2, God willing, will be expounding verses 19 and 20 this morning. The title of the message this morning is Married into Grace. Married into Grace. In the previous verses last week, God said He was going to make a covenant with, uh, for Israel with the rest of creation. Remember the beasts, birds, and the bugs? Man, I enjoyed that message. We then saw where God was going to end all war. He was going to just establish peace on earth for His people. I'm looking forward to that day. This is what we can expect at the end of the world. There's going to be a covenant for us. With the animals. There will be peace. With the people. And there will be a marriage. Between us and God. That's what we're looking at today. God said look in verse 19. And I will betroth thee. Unto me. Forever. I tell you what. If we just went no further. In the book of Hosea. Than that right there. Man that's just enough to give me goosebumps. God is saying here, now remember, Israel becomes the church. The church now is the true Israel. Okay? Always remember that. So anytime God is speaking to Israel spiritually, prophetically, He's speaking to us. Okay? And so he says, and I will betroth thee unto me forever. God is saying there is coming a day when I will betroth you unto me forever. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to ratify a peace covenant and a marriage covenant. You see? Peace and betrothal. Peace between us and all creation and marriage between us and God. When I read this, I couldn't help but think of the time when God made a wife for Adam. I couldn't help but think about my own marriage as well. Before sin entered into the world, before anything ever entered into the heart of man to spoil the creation that God made in the perfect Love and holiness of God. He made a wife for man. And I can only imagine how much Adam must have loved his wife when God brought Eve to him. I can only imagine. But we have to understand that the covenant that we're reading about this morning of our marriage to God, it was in the mind of God When he made this woman for Adam. God already knew that one day he was going to make a wife for himself. And so when he made this woman so close to man. Taken out of man. One with man. Beautiful, lovely. Delighted his heart and brought her to Adam. That special creation. God was giving us a way where we could know a little sample of what God thinks about me and you and how much He loves us. Adrian Rogers once said, so poetically as he often did, that marriage is the only 
thing left from the Garden of Eden. You think about that. That's the only thing that came out of the Garden of Eden. Was marriage. That's why the devil attacks it so strongly. But I tell you what. When marriage is the way God intended it to be. When the husband follows the scripture. And the wife follows the scripture. Marriage is a little part of the Garden of Eden here on earth. It's a little part of heaven here on earth. And it is a picture of that eternal marriage covenant that God has with me and you. When we're reading about this this morning, about the marriage covenant between God and Israel, we're reading about... The, uh, the, the, the marriage that God has for us. When God pulled that woman out of the man, He was demonstrating to us in terms that we could understand just how much He loves us, just how much He cherishes us, just how beautiful we are to God in that near, precious, holy union that He intended us to have through the gospel message and that one day He's going to restore Sometimes when I'm at home, I probably embarrass my wife when I say this, but sometimes when I'm at home, when my, walk, my wife, she walks into the room, you can ask her, it's true. She'll walk into the room, and I'll just throw my head back and start laughing with joy. Just throw my head back and start laughing because of how much I love her and how thankful I am for her. And if God put that kind of love in me, a carnal sinful man for my wife, then can you imagine how much God, who is love, the Bible says He is love, in all His perfection and holiness, could you imagine how much He loves us? I wonder sometimes if He looks at the church and just throws His head back and laughs for joy. Knowing that eternal union He's going to have with us one day. And I'll say this, if you've ever had a spouse that you loved run out on you, then you know the pain you experience from that betrayal. It hurts. You know the heartache of having someone that you love run out on you. But child of God, this is one marriage that you'll never have to worry about. This is one marriage you'll never have to worry about. This is one marriage that will be eternally secure. I was talking to a lady the other day about salvation. She's lost. She thinks that she's a Christian, but she's not. She says she doesn't believe that a person is saved while they're on earth. She belongs to United Pentecostal Church. And there's a bunch of them. And they're different than regular Pentecostals. But she doesn't believe that you're saved while you're on earth. She says you're not saved till you get to heaven. till you make it. At the very end. If you die and you're living right. And all your ducks in a row. And then. Uh, and you happen to die. Right. Living right with God. Then you'll be saved when you get to heaven. And I reminded her. The devil fell from heaven salvation is not in a place, you know. Safety is not in a place. But uh, I was trying to explain this to her, and she said, as I was explaining about the gospel and how I know I'm going to heaven, she said, like she was disappointed in me, she said, so you believe in once saved, always saved. You better believe I do. 
Man, if I'm not saved forever, then what was I ever saved from? Think about it. Once saved, always saved is all the same as saying once married, always married. That's what it means. God says, I'm going to betroth you to me for how long? Forever. Now, God's the one using these terms, not me. He didn't say, I'm going to betroth thee unto me for a, a trial period. You know, I'll betroth thee unto me for an examination period where we will see if we are a match for one another. And then we'll, after a thousand years or so, we'll revisit the matter and see if we want to renew the, the terms of our contract. No, sir. I'll betroth thee unto me forever. Christian, you'll never have to worry about God running out on you. You'll never have to worry about God falling out of love with you and breaking His marital promise. I remember Ronald Reagan, his first wife, she, when she left Ronald Reagan, she said, Ronnie, me and you, we just ran out of gas. You know what? With us and God... We'll never run out of gas. We're going to be forever eternally secure. You'll never have to worry about God breaking His marital promise after God gave Adam his wife. He said that that husband and wife would be one flesh, which was signified by him taking Adam's wife from his side. One flesh. So when the Lord says He'll betroth us unto Him forever, He's saying that for all eternity we shall never cease to be one with God. Now we won't be God. But we'll never cease to be one with God. Tammy is not Richard. But she's one with me. You see? So we'll never be God, but we'll never cease to be one with God. For He said, I will betroth you unto me forever. And this betrothal will be all the grace of of God. God said, look back in your text, yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness. Now take your pens out, please, and underscore the word righteousness. Now go down a little bit further and underscore the word judgment. Where's one of those Jeremy kids? Who wants to volunteer for me, little Jeremy kid? Jonathan? Now you can stay, you can stay where you're at. I want you to keep track of the number of words that I'm having y'all underline, would you? Alright. So we started off with righteousness. Now we're underscoring the word judgment. Now go down a little bit further and underscore loving kindness. Now underscore mercies. Anyone have an idea what the, uh, the last one's going to be? That's it. Underscore faithfulness. Jonathan Jeremini, give us our tally. Five. Give me five. That's what we got here. Give me five. We got five in the Bible. The number five is connected to the covenant grace of God. The number five. The brazen altar. You know that place that represented the cross? Where they put the sacrifice on that brazen altar? It was five by five in measurement. 
Five this way, five that way. The number five. Five represents the covenant grace of God. It was five cubits long, five cubits broad. The law that God gave Moses that binds them to God and brings them to the cross. The very law that sat under the mercy seat consists of five and five. Five laws toward God, five laws toward man, creating a perfect righteousness underneath the mercy seat to make sure that when we're married to God, we're married to Him in righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Five and five. Five and five for the law. Five and five for the the cross, for the altar that satisfies the law with the sacrifice of blood. Five and five. Almost everything in the tabernacle is some multiple of five. Marriage is also the covenant grace of God. And so God is giving us five attributes of this marriage covenant. In keeping with this representation, He gives us five graces of His eternal marriage with His people. First, He says, I will betroth you unto me in righteousness. Listen to that. I will betroth you unto me in righteousness. When a woman marries a wealthy man, sometimes we say, well, she married into money. Right? But when we marry God, we're going to be marrying into the wealth of His grace. We'll be marrying into righteousness like a a poor woman who had no money of her own. We, apart from Jesus, have no righteousness of our own. But because of Jesus, because of the five graces of God, the covenant grace of God, we will marry into the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God's righteousness. And His money becomes her money when they get married, you know. Even so, His righteousness becomes our righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? It's a union. The two are one. We will forever be married into the sinless perfection of God, becoming perfectly sinless ourselves. Not only will we inherit God's righteousness, but our marriage to Him itself will be performed in righteousness. It won't be some shotgun wedding. It's not going to be some sham wedding. It's not going to be some, oh, uh, you know, we've been shacking up for a long time and now we're going to get married kind of wedding. I was talking to a man the other day at work and... It was really sad. I was in the gym exercising on my lunch break and this man comes in and he didn't think he would anyone would be in there. He figured he'd be by himself. He comes in and he was crying. And I, to not embarrass him, I pretended like I didn't notice for a while and finally it was just so bad I, I had to say, is something wrong? And his, his girlfriend had left him. 
And he had been living with her for a long time, unmarried. And she left him, some other fella, and he was all sad and broken hearted. And I thought to myself, Richard, you owe it to that man to tell him the truth. And I said, you know, God made marriage. And I said, and, you know, it's, your marriage will never be right until you're right with God. I said, you can't ask God to bless your relationship with her because y'all were living in fornication. He's wrong. And uh, he said, well, I wanted to marry her. And I told her we ought to start going to church. You see, he got it all backwards. He got it backwards. He tried to do it the world's way and then try to get God to throw his blessing on top of him. It didn't work, and now he's brokenhearted. But see, God's marriage to us is not going to be like that. It'll be in righteousness. It will be a sinless, perfect, holy union. We'll marry him in righteousness because... God was righteous in forgiving us of our sins because Jesus righteously put them away. And so He reunites us to God righteously. It's not a holy God joining unholy people. It's a holy God making unholy people holy. You know, the Bible tells us to not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Well, God's not going to be unequally yoked with us either. When God joins with us in marriage, it's going to be a perfectly holy God marrying perfectly holy people. He's going to make us holy through Jesus. He says He's going to marry us in righteousness. Look back in your text. And in judgment. Judgment has the idea of rendering a verdict. Of judging something to be either good or, or bad. And our union to God was based on God's judgment of His Son, Jesus. The law was not overlooked. Our guilty verdict was not excused. God righteously judged the sinner on the cross where Jesus died. And that righteous judgment will forever be ours. When we are forever united to God. Our minds will be perfectly tuned to the judgment of God. What he sees as evil, we will see as evil. What he sees as good, we will see as good. We will have God's judgment. The judgment unbelieving sinners receive. We will judge to be good ourselves. We'll be married unto him in judgment. Rendering the proper verdict. A lot of people think, I have an unbelieving family member. And if I know that my loved one is in hell, how could I ever enjoy heaven forever? And they think, well, maybe, maybe God will let us forget all that happened. That's what a lot of people think. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe we're going we're gonna to live in perfection with God knowing less than we know now. I don't believe that at all. The Bible doesn't say God will wipe away every memory. It says He'll wipe away every tear. You see? So how can we, if, if, if you have a loved one, and, and, and you know your loved one died 
without Christ. Is there anyone in here like that that has a loved one that died without Christ? You know you have a loved one that died without Christ. A bunch of hands going up. And I know that troubles you, doesn't it? But listen, in eternity you'll be married to God in judgment. And here's what that means. It means forever you will see your loved one as God does. You will view them with the verdict of God. And you will be able to look at that loved one and say, it is good and right that it is this way. You will not think, oh no, oh dear God, this is tragic. You will have the same view that God does. You won't have the, 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 the faulty earthly views you have now. Yes, our hearts should be broken. Yes, God does have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's what the Bible says. Yet at the same time, you will be able to pronounce a holy condemnation upon your loved one's head. Because you will be so in tune with God. And you will not live with that uh, terrible thought of your loved one perishing and, and putting gloom and doom in your head forever. You won't. You will be forever united to God in judgment and in joy and in righteousness. Look back in your text. And in loving kindness, which is His motive for marrying us in the first place. Above all things, God loves His people. There is no hidden motive for God marrying us. God doesn't get anything out of it, you know. It was in love that God sent His Son to die for us. And it will be in love that God sends Him back to live with us forever. And for all eternity, you will be loved by God. And we will love one another as God loves us. Isn't that amazing? Wow. We're going to love one another as God loves us. We'll marry Him in love. Look back at the text. And in mercies. The Hebrew word translated mercies here, it means compassion. And it has the idea of a mother being compassionate toward her little baby. How she holds and cradles that baby. And the baby cries and her heart goes out for that baby. You know, you know mothers how that is. That's the way God is toward us. That's the way God's going to be toward us forever. He will forever be protective of us. He will forever care for us. He will forever be doting over us, His children. Amazing. And we'll forever walk in His mercies toward Him and toward one another. Can you imagine what it would be like if every person in the world cared for others the way a mother cares for her own child. What a world this would be, huh? Brother Eddie, we wouldn't have to have to have concealed carry laws or anything like that. We wouldn't need it. If every person in the world cared for their child or cared for their neighbor as they would dote over their only child. That's the way God's going to love us and that's the way we're going to love one another one day. One day it will be like that. Finally, God said, verse 20, I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness. Because he's faithful to keep his word. He's faithful to keep his promise. Well, when Tammy and I got married, 
I wrote, I wrote into our wedding vows the words of Jesus to his church. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Both of us said that to each other in our wedding vows. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Because God is faithful, He's going to keep His promise to never leave us or forsake us. Jesus has already given that vow to His church. That was His wedding vow to His bride. Before He ever came for His bride, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I'm with thee to the end of the world. He'll be faithful to the promise He made Abraham. Faithful to the promise he made to Adam and to Moses and to you and to me. He will be faithful. He will keep every promise. He will fulfill every prophecy. And he will forever rain his loving grace down upon us. For great is his faithfulness. And we will marry into that faithfulness. Being forever faithful to God. And forever faithful to our fellow man. There will be no more deceit. Just faithfulness. No more disappointments. Boy, people will disappoint you, won't they? No more disappointments. Just faithfulness. No more broken promises ever again. God said, and thou shalt know the Lord. You say, well, I know God now. I understand that. But then we'll really know the Lord. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare a son. Adam knew about Eve. He knew they could have children. But then he experienced Eve in that way. And thou shalt know the Lord. You see, we know about righteousness and judgment and faithfulness and mercies. We know about all of those things. But one day, we will finally know by experience what we now know by faith. For all eternity... All the goodness of God that we've read about. All the goodness of God that we've sung about. All the goodness of God that that we have heard in sermon after sermon and read on the pages of God's Word. That we believe in our hearts. We shall one day know by everyday experience. As the grace of God that we read about in the Bible is written anew in the eternal pages of our experience with God. That's the promise we see here. Number five, forever married to the covenant grace of God. Forever bound to all His goodness for all eternity. With that, we'll close. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Oh, Lord, how wonderful to be forever united to you in grace. The grace, Father, that came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. That will perform 
Everything you've promised to your people from day one. Everything, Lord. We thank you so much for that promise. We thank you for giving us the security of it, Lord. And Lord, I pray, Father, Lord, if there any, be any here today that does not know you as their God and Jesus as their Savior. I pray, Father, Lord, that they'll reach out to me or Brother Shepherd and get with us after church, Lord, and, and let us explain to them how they can know that they'll be forever united to you in your grace when Jesus comes. His name we pray.